That's just awesome, awesome, awesome. I picked that song out. I did. I picked that out. All right. I did. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. Hey, that's Chris on violin fiddle over there. Give that for him. And Pete's on bass back there. And Randy's awesome all the time. And it's just great. It's just great. That's good. That's the best part of the service right there, just so you know. It's, it's going to get it's gonna downhill from here. But uh, <laughs> here's, here's what I mean by that. Have you ever, like, gone into something or started something and you knew from the start it just was going to fail? That's kind of how I feel right now. It's like, or at least it's going to fall short. I'll just tell you right up front, what, everything I'm going to tell you today is going to fall short of what I want it to do. And, or how about this? Have you ever tried to remember something, like, like somebody's name, like you met them before and then you run into them on the street and you, you know their name and it just won't come. You're like, oh, it's your name. And finally you just go, hey, hey, buddy. You're right? You see a lot of people named Buddy in the world. And, uh, or, or, or your wife's sitting into the, guys, your wife's sitting into the grocery store and says, now there's five things you need to get. Do you need to write them down? You're like, no, I'm a man. No. So you go, you go to the grocery store and you get four of them and then you can't remember the fifth one you're pacing because you can't go home and admit you're wrong. It's like, I can't remember what it is. And, or are those dumb games, you know, where they have that thing and you have to pass it around. It's a word, but you can't say the word. And you have to get other people to scream at you the word because that's not helpful. Anyway, and you, and you know what you want to say, but you just can't say it the right way. That's kind of how I feel today. Kind of going into what I want to talk about today. See, what I want to talk about I want, is the inadequacy of words. Right? I, I, at certain times, especially trying to describe or certain events or, or certain you know, things in your life, words just don't do it. They just, they just fall short. And they, get you, they can get you close, but not quite there. And I'll, I'll give you the, the, be, the best example. The obvious one is, is the word love, all right? It's like, it's, it, at least in the Bible, you know, there's three different Greek words for love, but not in English, great old boring English. We just have one. I love pizza. I love my mom. I love my wife. Not the same way, right? It's just, it's, but we only have one word. But if I were to have you, like, meet you out on the, in the lobby later and go, hey, describe, tell me what love means or what it means to you. Um, you wouldn't like whip out a dictionary and turn to the L section and go, here's what love means. By the way, this is what you would find. Love, a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection. That's sexy, isn't it? That's just awesome, right? Can you imagine, guys, that you're kissing your wife? <laughs> oh, I don't know what I was going to say there. Or your girlfriend or whatever. And she looks at you and she goes, I love you. And you respond with something like, oh, baby, I have a feeling of warm personal attachment for you too. Because that date is over, right? There's no more kissing or anything else for a long time. And you go, that's not fair, but that's what love is. That's the definition of love. Those are the words you find in the dictionary. Exactly. And they don't come close to defining what real love is. See, if I, if I really were to, to meet you out in the lobby or, or on the street someday or lunch or whatever, I said, can you explain what love means to you, 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 what you'd probably do is you'd launch into a bunch of stories and metaphors, right? It's kind of like this and this one time, all right? And, and, and love, it, so love is like this pit that you feel in your stomach all the time when you're in love or, or it's that lump you feel in your throat. It's that, it's that thing that makes you smile whenever you think of her or whenever you see him walk in the door, right? So wait, so you're saying love is a lump <laughs> and a pit. Yeah. It makes you smile. Yeah. No. It also drives you crazy. It keeps you awake all night. It makes you miserable. It makes you cry. Right. Love is the best thing and the worst thing. If you really love someone, you die to protect them. But some days, that same love makes you want to kill yourself. So what you're saying is that love is both awesome and horrible. Yes. It makes you willing to lay down your life to protect someone you love. But on other days, that same love makes you want to commit suicide. Is that it? Yep, that's love. Right? Some of you are going, yeah, that's true. That's love. But in one, in one word or in one phrase or a group of words, if I were to say describe love, real love, the deepest kind of love in certain times and really special times in your life with certain like really, 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 really special people, when you meet them, when you know them, when you're in love with them, to describe how you feel towards them, the only thing that kind of comes out is like, ah, like a groan, right? 
that's my grandson. He was just born 11 days ago. There he is right there. His name's Jonah, but we just call him the cutest baby in the freaking world right there. And yours is a distant second. So anyway, so um, now here's the is that you, you, you're sitting there going, well, my, I think mine's cuter, right? right? That, that, that's just true. If you've ever held your own new, newborn in your arms or your grandchild, right? Grandma and grandpa's out there, right? When you've held him, all right, I can't turn around. I will, I will have to walk off the stage, all right? Yeah. Words fail. You know, for me to say, let me tell you how I feel about that little guy right there. It's just like, ah, you know what I mean? I don't know how to spell that. Write that down if you want to, but I just can't get there. But we try. I try to describe, I try to describe love. I, I really do. More than any other subject in the world, we try to describe love and define love. Right? We write songs about love and poems about love and, and then connect with the emotion and the passion that we recite the poem back or, or sing the song back, country, opera, rock and roll, whatever. It's all an attempt to go, this is what love means. At least according, you know, between me and you, this is what love means. But at a certain point, if somebody were to say, to kind of pick that apart and look at you going, so that's it, that's, that's love? All the words that you came out up with, all the notes you strung together, that's the total summation of everything uh, uh, that love means to you when it comes to that person? No, no. It's just all I can squeeze out of this little brain right now, right? It's like, so you, we can sing that song, when the wind blows, I'll be riding high on it. No, you won't. You'll die. You'll die if you try to go right on the wind. It's just, it's just it's a song lyric. It's a metaphor. And, and, and what, what the, the writer's trying to do is go, listen, when I think about you and when I miss you, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the wind. It's kind of like looking at the stars. It's, it's, it's like that. And everybody in this room, you know, everybody who's experienced that groaning, kind of that stare of the stars, right on the wind kind of love, you understand what I'm talking about. You get it. You're sitting there going, yeah, I felt like that. I've been there, right? Because with certain things in certain parts of life, especially the biggest, most important parts of life, like love, to try to describe love, you have, have to, you have to have experienced it. To understand what it means to be in love, you have had to have at least once in your life been in love. And it's not condescending to say to someone who's never experienced that kind of love to look at them and go, you don't understand, because they don't. If you've never been in love, really this kind of love that we're talking about, then you just don't understand. And if you're offended by that, someday you'll change your mind. You know when? When you fall in love, right? And when you fall in love, you'll think of me. Jim was right, <laughs> right? I had no idea. I thought I knew what love was because I love my mom and I love puppies and I love pizza, but this is different. You know, I met her or, you know, he, you know, whatever that is. It's just, it's just different. I fell in love and now it's different. Now, sidebar, right? Some of you guys, especially the guys in here, you have never taken notes in church in your whole life. Today should be a different day for you. You should go find a pen and a piece of paper right now because I have given you, especially you single guys, the greatest pickup lines in the universe so far. You should write these down. If you cannot find a girlfriend with, baby, I can't eat, I can't sleep. When I think of you, I write on the wind. I'm out of words. All I can do is just groan. If that didn't work for you to find a girlfriend, you're never gonna have one. <laughs> Get the CD and memorize it. You're welcome. Now, let's move on, all right? See, there are certain things that are just so awesome and so good. Being in love, having a grandbaby, all, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just so good. The words can't get there. But there's another part to it, too. There are some things in our life that are so horrible, so awful, so just devastating, we can't get there either with words. You know what I'm talking about. You try to describe the worst moment of your life, the, the thing that happened to you that took everything or whatever that was, the bomb that got knocked, uh, kind of dropped on your house, and you go, uh, you can't describe it, like death, right? It's just, just true. For example, I don't know how many funerals I've done and spoken at about, about death and countless funerals over the last 30 years, but death was something totally different. When on January 30th, I walked into my dad's hospital room before they told me that he died when I was in the car on the way to the hospital, and I walked in and the nurse tried to catch me and go, hey, your, your dad passed away. And I'm like, what? And I grabbed my mom, 
Jim, could you describe that? No. Those words haven't been invented yet. And some of you are sitting here going, I know, I know, I know, because you've lost somebody that you weren't ready to, to lose. And it's just this groaning inside that words don't even get close. That's, that's why around here, if you, if you came in early, we have all these things going on the screen. We have a, a grief support group, and I'm so glad that you don't, we don't call it a grief recovery group. How do you recover from that? All you need is support, right? I don't know if I'll ever be the same, but why go to a group like that? Well, it's not because someone's really smart is gonna say the right words and get you through it. It's not getting a bunch of advice or here's what you ought to do if somebody you love dies or something like that, as much as it's just being in the room with a bunch of people who understand. A lot of me too people go, yo, oh, I understand. I've been there. I'm there right now with you. And sometimes you don't need people to talk to you. You just need somebody to look at you and you can see it in their eyes. They get it. And there's some parts of life that are so big and so important that all the, it's kind of like this, is they, they all fall apart because there aren't any more, it's kind of like this. There's comparisons that we can come up with that get close. Sometimes there just aren't enough words or at least sufficient ones. And that's what I'm facing with today. I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to teach on, I'm gonna try to explain a concept that everybody, when I tell you what we're gonna talk about, you're gonna go, oh, I think I know what he's talking about. Even though the actual word isn't in the Bible. They talk about it a lot in the Bible. They don't ever say the word. As a matter of fact, every writer and person in the Bible who's ever spoken about it or written about it, including Jesus himself, when he talks about what we're gonna talk about today, eventually he throws up his hands and goes, it's a mystery. And that give you confidence. <laughs> well, then why did we come, right? It's a mystery. And you won't fully understand or comprehend it until you finally in heaven face to face with Jesus. And then you'll finally understand. And then if, if, if you walk out of here frustrated by that going, I just can't believe he said we wouldn't understand it. Someday you'll, you'll be in heaven and you'll think of me and you'll go, he was right. <laughs> I had no idea until I saw him face to face. I just, I, I, I didn't know. I thought I did, but I didn't. And here's what I'm talking about. Over the next 20 minutes or so, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try to use some words, some really pitiful words and some metaphors, and they all fall apart at certain, a certain point if you play it out. So just don't play it out that far, but I'm gonna try to explain Jesus. And that's tough. I, especially, I wanna try to explain Jesus, how he fits into this thing called, ready? The Trinity, right? right Trinity as in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is hard. It's really hard. Yeah, Trinity means, I mean, we can go to the dictionary if you want. Tr- Trinity means three, right? Three, all right? Which raises the question, do we worship three gods? Father, God, Son, God, Holy Spirit. Three gods or three gods in one, whatever that means, or one God in three. There, do that, all right? How do they all fit together? And what's the whole deal with the Trinity? How does it all work? And how about this? Am I, I know I'm supposed to pray to God, the Father, but is it okay to pray to Jesus the Son or do you get in trouble for doing that? And where does the Holy Spirit fit in? Because my mom told me that, you know, that there's no such thing as ghosts, but sometimes the, the, the Holy Spirit's called the Holy Ghost and, and that's kind of spooky. So which is it? Is there a ghost or not? Is my mom right or God right? I don't, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird, and it is. What we're gonna talk about is kind of like weird. And I have to be honest with you, I almost bailed on this. I'm sitting in my office this week and I'm writing this talk and I'm charting out where we're going over the next couple of weeks and months. And, and a couple of times I just about just put my laptop, closed it up and went and found Scott and Jesse and went, let's just do something else. Let's do something less mysterious, all right? Let's, let's just do something easier because this is, this is hard. Yeah, and here's, here's why I'm feeling. Let me tell you the pressure I'm feeling a little bit today, all right? Is that um, I know that if, if I somehow can find the right words to do this, it could really help a lot of us understand God better. But if, if I don't handle this the right way, I could screw up a lot of people in how they view God. And I have read the last, chap- last chapter of the Bible, and if a teacher screws up the word of God, it doesn't go well for us. <laughs> There's plagues involved and 
things that just make the 10 things we looked at last month easy, all right? So, so I, I do, I, I feel a lot of pressure to get this right, I do. But there's part of me that just wants to ignore the hard stuff, but that's not what we do here. I don't know what church you came from in the past. We, we kind of live in the hard stuff. And you know why, why we do this so much? Because I bet all week long, since the last day, the time you were in here, you lived in the hard stuff. And life is hard stuff. And to ignore that would just, it would be cheap or something. I, I, I don't know. So well, the, the other part of that is, is what I found in my own life is that typically I, I hear God best in the middle of the hard stuff. Anybody else? So that's what we're going to do. Let me tell you why we're going to do this now, all right? Let me tell you why we're going to try to bite off a really big, and I would even take it a step further. We're going to bite off the biggest, the toughest. The, this changes everything if, if this is true. The most important foundation of everything, hardest to believe, let alone believe it and swallow it. I mean, we're going to bite off the biggest truth in the history of truth. Why are we going to do that now? And I'm going to tell you the answer. I'm going to tell you right up front that the answer is going to make some of you mad. Well, you, you get that a lot here. He made me mad again today, all right? Uh, it's going to offend you going, I just can't believe he said that. Some of you are going to be insulted by it. Some of you are going to roll your eyes at it, but some of you are going to, some of you, and this is what I'm banking on, some of you are going to go, oh, it's about time. God, I've been waiting for this. And here's what I'm talking about. I have a feeling, and this is why we're going to do this, that some of us in this room, and I would say a lot of us, and I'd even push it, I'd say even most of us, we don't know Jesus very well. We, we kind of do. We know some stuff about him. We heard some stuff about him, but we don't, we don't really know him very well. And that's not because we're dumb or stupid or ignorant people. You know, I, don't, I don't know how you grew up. Maybe you were sold a, a bad Jesus or a bad version of Jesus. Or may, maybe, you know, because we were only given certain parts or truth about Jesus, while some of the most important parts were left out, especially the controversial parts, like you can't say that about Jesus anymore. I, I, they used to say that, but that'll get you in trouble today. But, but those parts have been left out. And now, because of what's going on in your life, the pain, the pace, whatever that is of your life, when you need the real Jesus to be who he really is, you don't have him because you don't know him. But maybe if we got to know him better, then you'd find out that he is exactly what you need for what you're going through later today, if you got to know him. And to Scott's point last week, I love what, what he said last week, Jesus hasn't let go of you. God has never let go, let go of you. God has never stopped pursuing you. Jesus hasn't let go of you, but maybe, maybe on purpose, maybe on accident, maybe we let go of the real Jesus and who he is and what he has to offer to us. Or let me, let me paraphrase another guy I heard speaking one time. He, he said it like this, and I totally agree. I'll put it in my own words, but he says this. He says, every sin, every fear, every mistake and conflict in your life that you have ever experienced can be reduced down to one thing. You didn't then or you don't know now who Jesus really is. Because if you did, you would see and approach all the obstacles in your life in a very different way, a better one. Isn't that true? And you think about everything that fell apart. Ah, if I just would have known or if I just would have... And I would even take that another step further. I, I would say this, every sin, every fear, every, every mistake, every attack that's been done to you by somebody else can be reduced down to the same thing. They didn't or they don't know who Jesus really is because if they did, they would have seen you and treated you and approached you very differently. This is true, a better way. Which is why over and over and over in the Bible, that's the key to everything. The key to every teaching, every truth, every application, everything that comes out of the mouth of God can be reduced down to, if, if this is going to make sense in your life, this is what's going to happen. It's said uh, dozens of different ways all through the Bible. Let me, I'll show you a few things, but it's all the same thing. In one place, a guy named Paul says this, I want to know Christ. Know as in not know about and some information sharing, stuff like that. I want to be in a relationship, that kind of knowing Christ. I want to know Jesus Christ and the power 
that comes from knowing him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from, from the dead. In other words, what Paul's saying is, is this, is that if our only hope of experience, the power that God says, the same power that raised God from, Jesus from the dead, that power is available to us. That's what the Bible says. That, that the only way we're ever gonna have fellowship and connection with, 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 with God, the only way that the dead parts of our soul are ever gonna be resurrected, what the Bible says is the way to do that is to know Jesus. Another place, I love this, another writer, he says it like this in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's just, that's the target. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. That's where we get faith from, from Jesus. Who, Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Consider him, consider, think about Jesus who endured such opposition from sinful men. And here, the rest of the sentence is, this is why you ought to think about Jesus so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So right here, the Bible says that if you are, if we have any chance of not just giving up and getting crushed by this world and going, I am so tired, I'm putting up a white flag and I quit, I can't do this anymore. Our only hope of not losing our faith that God really is good and will take care of us in the really, 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 really hard times of our life. I can't understand what's going on in my life. The key is, according to, to, to this right here, is we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. In another place, in Philippians chapter two, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, Paul writes this, he says, if, if you want encouragement, if you need encouragement in your life, and everybody in this room would go, I, dis, I have discouragement down. I need some encouragement in my life. I do. I need some positive in my life. I, I wanna be united with, with Christ. If you wanna have comfort from Jesus when you're going through a, a hard time, if you wanna have open communication with God, if you wanna be a tender and compassionate person, if you don't wanna end up being a selfish, vain, arrogant, conceited jerk, here's what you have to do according to this little verse in the Bible, then your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And if not, that, that's the other stuff, that's what happens. And finally, over and over, Jesus, he just said it this way. He says, if you really wanna know me and understand me and learn from me and what I'm like, here's, here's what you need to do, just come. Come on, you'll see. Another time, a guy walked up to him. He's trying to figure out how to connect with God and trying to figure out where Jesus kind of fit in the equation. Jesus looked at him and said, just follow me. It won't make sense today, but next week it will more. Down the road it will a little bit more. Just, just come with me. Just follow me. But, but all these statements that Paul and all these other writers and Jesus himself, all these statements, all these directives and teachings, they, they raise another set of questions for me. Right? right, right it's like this. How can you have the hope that comes from knowing Christ if you don't know him? My hope is built on, on Jesus. Who is he? I'm not really sure. Well, how can you have any hope in somebody that you don't really know? How can you fix your eyes on someone you've never seen? Other people have seen him and told you about him, but you've never really gotten Jesus with your own eyes, right? How can you have the attitude or the mindset of Christ if you have no idea how Jesus thinks about life, about what's going on in the world, about you? How, how can you have the attitude of Christ if you don't know how Jesus thinks? And how about this? How and why would you ever follow anyone, let alone Jesus, why would you follow anyone if you don't know their agenda, what they're trying to do in your life or where they want to take you? So here's what we're going to do. For the next six months, all right, for the next six months, and you're starting today, going all the way through Easter, all right, we are, we're simply going to study the life of Jesus. That's it. Starting with who he is and, and where did he come from and then moving through his entire life on earth. We're going to go verse by, we're going to go slow. We're going to go verse by verse, story by story, teaching by teaching, miracle by miracle, until we finally get to Easter where Jesus backs it all up. What do you mean? Because nothing that Jesus said, nothing that Jesus taught, and nothing that he did carries any weight, any credibility, makes any sense at all if he didn't back up what he said he was going to do. What do you mean? Jesus actually looked. All the three years that he was on the earth preaching, he said, listen, don't believe any of this unless 
down the road, they murder me, and three days later, I come back to life as one big I told you so. Right? If I don't, if I stay dead, pack your things and run. As a matter of fact, I would say this. If Jesus didn't back up all of his teachings by being crucified on a cross and three days later rising from the dead, we ought to close shop today. We ought to sell this off, split the money, right, right? We should all go to a bookstore to the self-help section and try real hard because that's all we have left if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, right? So we're, we're gonna go after Jesus. And we do that all the time, but we're really intensely, intentionally, we're gonna go after Jesus, just plain old Jesus, all right? And, and to do that, we're gonna go all the way back to the beginning. Actually, today we're gonna go back to before the beginning because if you can see our, our new series, so this is one big Jesus series in the last six months, but we're gonna break it up in the little series. So this first chunk we're calling BC, which we all know, all right, stands for, in spite of what people, it doesn't stand for before common era. It doesn't. Nice try. No, all right, it doesn't. BC stands for before Christ. What, well, what's that mean? It means that most of the world measures time by one event, right? You gotta believe that. Even if people who don't believe in Jesus, they, they call it 2012. 2000, 2012 years ago, something happened, right? Meaning that there, was, there are two sections of time. There was the time that happened on earth before Christ showed up, and then there's everything else after Christ, including today, from, from that moment, all right? That's it. And so today, it's just, it, today's just an introduction, all right? There's, there's not even any heavy application, so you don't have to walk out of here in a minute going, what do I do with this? You, the only thing you have to wrestle with today is, do I want to go back to that church or not, all right? That, that, that's it. So today is just um, kind of an introduction, but I want to throw out three questions. I think they're pretty good questions that I hope we answer in the next you know, few minutes. Here we go. It's like, the first question would be this, who is Jesus, all right? Second question is, where was or was there a Jesus before Bethlehem? That's a great question, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. And if there was a Jesus before Bethlehem, what was he doing before he was born? All right. Now, some of us have wondered that. Maybe not. Maybe I'm the only one. But if you're anyone, anything like me, uh, I'm sorry. But growing up, I never really thought about Jesus BC a lot. I just think it started at Christmas. Right? I, I don't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm sure my dad's a pastor. My grandpa's a, a pastor. I'm sure I sat in a church service kind of like this and, and was taught about Jesus, but I, I don't remember it at all. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. There's a surprise, all right? But, so I invented a story in my own head about Jesus, how he came to be, all right? So this is eight-year-old little Jimmy World theology, okay? It's very deep. Here he goes. I, I just thought about like this. One day God was in heaven and he looked down on earth and he saw all these happy families and that made him lonely, so he thought to himself, I, I, I want to have a baby, but he didn't have a wife. So I don't know how it worked. Maybe he held a nicest girl in the world competition. And the angels were the judges and they voted and a virgin from a little town called Nazareth won most blessed among women. There she is, all right? Most likely to have God's baby. So God zapped her. I think a lightning bolt. I don't want to know anything else, all right? And then nine months later, out popped a baby. Out popped a baby. You like that, ladies? <laughs> Sorry. And he landed in a manger, ta-da, Jesus. And we had the first Christmas, the only begotten son of God. Don't throw stones at me. That was pre-medication, right? And if you were a pre-diagnosed ADD kid who didn't pay attention to church, do you have a better story? No, you're welcome, right? So here's the thing, all right? Later, I actually read the Bible for myself and it, it's very different <laughs> than, than that. It's like, it didn't happen like that at all, right? So, so we're gonna look at this, all right? We're gonna look at who is Jesus, where did he come from, and what was he doing? 
All right, so we're going to go real slow. So if you have your Bibles with you, and you're going to need a Bible for this, free Bibles in the back, or find the one at home that's propping up the leg of your couch, whatever that is, start bringing your Bible. It's in your program, but you're going to want to take notes and all that kind of stuff. And if, if this is one of those weeks that I really do want you to take some notes if, if, if you're that kind of a person, or if not, just rip some other person's in half and so give me half, all right? And they're Christians, they will. Here we go. So <laughs> John chapter one, verse one, here we go. In the beginning, stop. Now we're going <laughs> to go slow. It's going to be a long six months, I know, all right? So... Let's just stop right there. In the beginning. That should sound familiar. What do you mean? I mean this. If you've ever tried to read the Bible, that New Year's resolution or something like that, um, even if you didn't get very far through the Bible, I bet you got this far. What do you mean? It's the cover. <laughs> then some stuff I don't know. And then some, some, some maps and a table of contents. And then this. All right. Chapter 1, verse 1, book 1. It goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Most of us have read that, at least if you've ever tried to read the Bible. And so thousands of years later, when John writes in the beginning, what he's talking about is that, the beginning of everything. In the beginning of, of, of everything, of, uh, of, of the universe, of the, in the beginning of time, in the beginning of space and matter, right? John says, we're going to go all the way back there. And then we're going to keep going a little bit further than that, all right? We'll go back to the, the beginning. He says this. Look, we'll look at the rest of this. We'll go a little faster. He says this. In the beginning was the what? The Word. Now, if you're a note taker, you want to circle that in your Bible and stuff like that, because we're going to talk about that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God, okay? He was with God in the beginning. So what John is saying is this, is that back at the beginning of, like, everything, there was what, what he calls the Word, the Word, all right? And, and, and he goes on to say that this Word was not only just with God back in the beginning, but actually the Word was God, always has been. Is, is today. So if you're taking notes, the first note I would take down today, today would be this. So the word, whoever the word is, is God. So the word is God. Now, verse three, here we go. Through him, all right, so time out there. Now we find out the word is not like words coming out of my mouth or words written on a page, but um, the word is a him, through him. So the word is a person. The word, word is a person. Let's keep going. Through him, through the word, all things were made. All things were created, all right? Without him, without the word, nothing was made that has been made. So now we get a, a little bit of a hint at what this, this person, this word does and, and has been doing. Through this person, th this word, all things that have ever been made, literally created, were made and created through the word, no exceptions. So whatever God created, in the beginning God created, he created through this word. Are we following? All right, now, skip down to verse 14, and we'll, we'll come back to those verses we're skipping over in the next few weeks, but skip down to verse 14 of John chapter one. He goes on and he says this, the word, all right, the word, he, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so now, now we see that this person who is God and is with God, and through him, this word, God created all things that have been created. There was a point in history where the word became flesh, and the literal translation there would be uh, incarnation. Um, it's the same word we get meat from. Car you go to a Mexican restaurant or something like that. It's like, do you want meat on that? Yes, carne. I want that. It's the same word. So there was a time in history when the word who was God and was with God put on meat, put on flesh, put on skin and bone. And it says that he literally says this, he made his dwelling among us, meaning he lived with us as one of us. There was a time when he didn't, but then there was a point in history where he put on flesh and he lived as one of us. And now John's about to tell us, this is really important, how he knows this. Let me tell you, I know this, all right? He says this, we have seen his glory, 
the word, it's glory, right? That, they put on flesh. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. So now this word is, has a nickname called the one and only. And the word came from the father. And when he came, he was full of grace and truth. And this is important. This is so important. Because this, this takes a lot of criticism, like how can I believe this? And how do you know he's telling the truth? And how do you know this didn't get trans, lost in translation or whatever? This is really important. Because what John is saying is this, I didn't hear about the word. My mom didn't teach me about the word. My grandma didn't sit me down at night and tell me stories about, about the word. No, I didn't hear about this, this one of a kind, one and only. There's no one like him. No, no, no one ever taught me about him. I didn't go to this church and this really handsome bald guy told me about the word. No, you get to do that, but I, he didn't, all right? No, uh, sorry, uh, I'm not. But, uh, we, we, didn't, we weren't out hiking in Israel one day and found a cave and we went in the cave and in the back of the cave, we found an ancient manuscript or a book and we read it and we discovered the word the one and only. No, no, no. No, we were there. We, we, we were there. We, we, we saw him. We were with him. We went fishing with him. We did. We, we were with the one and only, with our own eyes. We saw him. We, we, we hung out with him. We ate food. We saw what he was like. We, we saw what he can do. We, we saw him. And when we saw him, we, we saw something more than just a man. He, he's different. Something we can't deny. We saw something that we would lay down our lives for just to be with him. We, we saw him, and when we saw him, he was full of, like he was just oozing with, with this thing called grace. Love just oozed out of him, mercy and strength and forgiveness. And he was full of truth. Every, every time he opened his mouth, truth came out. Truth about God, truth about life, truth about me. He was the one. And there is, and there never has been, never will be anyone like him. He's the only one. He's the one and only. And now in case anybody's going, who is he talking about? John's going to clear that up. He's going to reveal uh, to, to anybody, th this is what I'm talking about. I want to tell you who this one and only word is who created everything, who is with God and who is God. Look at verse 16. From the fullness of his grace, this one and only's grace, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. This word has blessed our lives. And here's how, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. And here we're talking about the Ten Commandments. We're talking about the rules. And then they added another 600 on top of this later in, in, in history, right? Saying this, here are the rules that you have to keep perfectly or you can't be with God. So the rules basically are a reminder of if it's up to you to be a good man or a good woman, good enough to get into heaven, you don't have a chance. Like there's, like, there's over 600 laws in the Bible that you have to keep perfectly. I, I can't even keep the Ten Commandments. Don't throw stones, you, you haven't either, all right, all right? I can keep like three of them. They're none of your business, all right? So, so just shut up. Anyway, right, right? I, so the law that came through Moses, you know what it reminded me of? I don't have a chance. I'm, I'm just not good enough. So that's what it used to be. But then things changed, and here's how. The law came from Moses, but grace, forgiveness for my past, love, loving me for who I am, mercy and strength in my, in my hardest times, grace and truth. Here's a better way to live your life, connected to God. That came through who? Jesus Christ. So the bomb that John's gonna drop here right in the first verses of, of this book that he's writing is this. I'm talking about Jesus, folks. See, Jesus, he's the word. Jesus is the one and only. He was with God and he was, he was God. Jesus is the one who came from the Father, overflowing with grace and truth. And then in case you missed it, he's gonna clear it up again. Verse 18, no one's ever seen God. No one has ever seen God, the Bible says. God the Father, all right? But God, the one and only, which is a reference to Jesus. So God, the one and only Jesus, who's at the Father's side, I'll explain that in a few weeks, has made him, has made God the Father known. No one's ever seen God. 
But Jesus has made him known. Everybody good? Everybody got it? Does this clear up everything? Because I, I just explained the biggest mystery in the universe in seven verses. I'm, I'm pretty good, all right? So, and here's what I mean. Let's just review in case you got lost. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the one and only. He's the only one and only word. The, the one and only word is God. Therefore, Jesus is God. Isn't that hard to say? Some of us, I don't know. I don't know. How about this? Where was Jesus before he put on flesh and lived, lived on earth with us? Um, he was with God the Father. And what was he doing? He was making and creating all things that have ever been made. Does that help? Because I just explained two-thirds of the Trinity. Everybody good? Let's close the prayer and go home, right? He's like, no, that doesn't, I mean, yes, that, yeah, no, it doesn't. It brings up a whole bunch of other things and problems and questions and it just it gives me a headache like this. So, so wait, let me just kind of go back to my notes here. There's, a, there's God, yeah, the Father, and then there's Jesus and Jesus is a person who had skin and bone who, who was and is now with God, but he's also God at the same time. So how can you be with God and be God at the same time? Ah, right? Groan. There, there it comes, right? It's crazy. So how about this? Is God like president of the universe and, and Jesus is like vice president? Kind of like God, but not quite, right? right? Uh, uh, ready to take over if God retires. What, what is that, right? Does it, how about this? Does that mean we really have two gods, right? And I'm not even talking about the Holy Spirit today. I mean, I mean that makes even more jacked crazy, right, right? Or how about this? That's why I wrestle with this. When Jesus was on earth and he prayed to God, who is he talking to? I'm just hanging out in the garden. How are you? I'm fine. Yeah, we have words for that, right? It's like, is he just talking to himself? Because I thought he was God too. And it's confusing. It's going to be, I take aspirin every time between services, right? Which is why everybody, <laughs> I won't say that. Everybody who's ever tried to explain what I'm trying to explain today, Jesus, Trinity, they all come to the same place where they go, words aren't enough. They fail, or at least the right ones. I can't find them. You say, well, does that make me a bad person or a dumb person? No, it just makes you a person, right? Here's how Paul kind of describes our failure to understand who Jesus is really and what he's like. Look at this. He says this. Now, like in now today, all right, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. It's almost like I see a reflection of Jesus, but... I can't quite get him, right? But then there's a day coming when we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, I know a little bit about Jesus. I know him some. Then there's, there's coming a time when I shall know fully, even as I am fully known like by him. I'll know him like he knows me. And Paul admits right up, right, right up front, hey, before we go into this, human words and human understanding are gonna get us close, maybe in the ballpark, but until we see him face to face, we won't ever fully know and understand Jesus. But according to what God says in his word is, is that you can find out enough about Jesus in God's word to blow your mind and change how you see God, how you see Jesus, how you see yourself, how you see the world. Knowing Jesus as best we can will change everything. Paul, Paul describes Jesus this way in another place. I love this. He talks about Jesus. He's saying, he, Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the image of God, the firstborn over all creation. And then he goes back and he says the same thing John said earlier. For by him, and I'm just gonna change all the pronouns to Jesus, just to keep it clear. For by Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. That's everything, all right? Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. He's, he's in everything, right? Skip down to verse 19. He says this, for God, I'm talking about God the Father, 
God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. All the Father's fullness, everything about God dwells fully in Jesus. And through him, through Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, through Jesus' blood shed on the cross, through Jesus, God connects us back to himself. Then later Paul says this, he says, for in Christ, in Christ, when you look at Jesus, all the fullness of the deity, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. Everything God is, Jesus is in bodily form. Then 2 Corinthians chapter four, we find this, the God of this age, and if you look at that, it's a small g God. Meaning we were talking about all these false gods in Egypt. We were talking about it for the last four or five weeks in here. It's that all the things that aren't real God that try to sit on the throne of your life and go, this is what you do. This is how you should treat her. This is what you should do. It's not real God, but it's trying to run your life. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, people who don't know Jesus, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, the good news of the glory of Christ, who? Who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, I'm not just giving you the thoughts off the top of my head, in other words, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. The whole reason we've gathered here today is so that we can get to know Jesus better. That's what's going on here. And I love this verse, verse six. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, chapter one, verse one, back there at the beginning. For the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light, caused his light, sent, shined his light to shine in our hearts. And and here's why Jesus came. He caused his light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of knowing the glory of God. And where can you find the glory of God? In the face of Christ. In the face of Christ, you can find the glory of God. In other words, what God is saying, is gonna be saying to us over the next six months is this. If, if you wanna know what I'm like, just look at Jesus. Everything that you can know about God, everything that you need to know about God, God says you can find in the face of my son, Jesus. He is me. And all of me is him. And how do you describe that with words? Because you, you try and it just kind of falls apart. And I, I, I've heard some really lame attempts. I grew up going to church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, vacation Bible school, all that kind of stuff. I did that. And people tried to explain the Trinity to me. And, and I guess I kind of got it, but not really. Like there's the famous egg illustration. Anybody heard that one? God's like an egg. Awesome, right? right? Meaning this is that an egg is really three things in one. Like God, all right? So, so there's a shell and then there's the yellow stuff uh, and then there's that other snotty, whatever that is, all right? So, but it's all an egg. So, so, so God is like an egg. Well, what part is God the Father? Uh, I don't know. And Jesus is like the yolk? I, I, don't, I don't know. Shut up. I don't know. He's an egg, all right? But then some philosopher comes along and goes, well, where'd the egg come from? Right? What came first? The, the chicken? There's a divine chicken that hatched God. Is that, is that it? Because some religions actually believe God is just a long string of gods that have been coming along for a long, long time. So at some point, it just kind of all falls apart, right? Then there's, probably this one's even better though, all right? And this one gets me there. And that's the water illustration. You heard this one before? It's like water can be three different things, but it's all water. Water can be liquid, water can be, it could be solid, and then water can be vapor, right? So, so maybe that's it. Maybe it's like, ooh, right, right? Um, <laughs> That's just so cool. I have to stare at it for a second. All right, but what I'm talking about is that, that God is three in one. But which part is God and which part is Jesus and which part? And it's like, I, I don't know. And while it's kind of cool and all the ADD people are gonna stare at that for the rest of the talk, all right, that's great. But um, come on back, kids. But um, probably the one that falls apart the least for me, the best illustration, the best metaphor comparison I can find comes out of the Bible. It's, it's in the book of Hebrews. We find this in Hebrews chapter one, verse three. And this is kind of where the lights kind of go on for me. It says this, it says, the sun, so we're talking about Jesus. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. So if God's shining, the radiance is Jesus. 
The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation. Jesus is the exact representation of God's being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Let me say it again. The, the sun, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So Jesus is the sun, but he's also the radiance of God's glory to the extent that when you see the radiance, when you see Jesus, you see the you see God, you see the exact same thing. You see the representation, the essence of who God is. And so the, the best way I can come up with that kind of as a metaphor or an illustration would be this. Oh, over the last several months in here, so we've been talking about Moses, especially when Moses was arguing with God. Remember that? It's like, I don't want to go talk to Pharaoh. What if Pharaoh asked me a question like, like, what's your God's name and who sent me? God's response was, my name is, remember, I am. My name is I am, which translates, I am who I said I was. I am who, who I am, right? As a matter of fact, when we talk about faith around here, what, what, is, what does it mean to have faith? We define faith this way out, out, out of Hebrews chapter 11. It goes like this, is that we really believe, we're leaning our lives against, we, we're banking everything in our lives against this belief. We believe that God is who he says he is and will actually do what he said he was gonna do. That's faith. I'm gonna lean my whole life, bank everything that I have, lean my life against God is who he says he is and then he will do what he said he's gonna do. That's faith. God is who he says he is. Now, on our level, we go, that makes sense. But you have to think on a higher level, God knows who he is. I'm trying to figure out who God is, right? And I'm confident that what I've understood about him, that's who he is. But you gotta, you gotta think, God's not having some like, like uh, identity crisis going, I don't know, I don't know. I, I don't know who I am. They say I'm this, and I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. God knows who he is. He's very confident in his identity, in his image, all right? So much so is that, is that, is that when he projects his image, he knows what he wants. He, wants, he knows what he wants to, to, to express. So here's the best metaphor. It, uh, kinda, this is God. Ta-da. All right, there he is, all right? I mean, this is a light fixture. And, and it, a light fixture in itself is nothing. As a matter of fact, if we turn all the lights off, you wouldn't even see the light fixture, okay? So, so this is a light fixture and, and light comes out of this, but the, the metaphor goes like this and we're gonna talk about this next week. God says, I am light and in me there is no darkness. Got that? We're gonna talk about that more next week. So God, who knows who he is, says, I am light, I am good, I am holy. Here's, here's what I'm like, here's my characteristics, here's my essence. And when he, when he projects that, when he, when, he, when he puts that out, the, the result of God the Father putting out his image is God the Son. When he, when, he, when he projects, this is who I am, it's, it's, it's Jesus. Now, no one's ever seen God the Father. In fact, no one's ever seen the Holy Spirit that somehow has connected God the Son and God the Father. We're gonna talk about that next week. I've never seen the Holy Spirit. Is anybody? I sure have felt his effect when I'm in him. And when his light is shining on my life, haven't you? We're gonna talk about that. No one's ever seen God the Father, but we, we can see Jesus. I'm trying to understand God, but I don't really know God. You can know Jesus. And that's what we're gonna do over the next, the, the next six, six months in here. We're gonna try to figure out God by staring at Jesus, by fixing our eyes on Jesus. And over the next six months, here's what we're gonna find. We're gonna find that Jesus, who is God, left heaven and came to earth and got a job. Why? Because money or food costs money, just like at your house. He got a job working at a construction site. And then he got a little side job doing cabinets in ladies' kitchens. That's what he did for the first 30 years of his life. He, he just did handyman work and we're gonna we're gonna watch Jesus and listen in on him as he talked to his to, to people as he as he walked around Israel as he hung out with friends as he went fishing with his buddies as his mom drug him off to wedding receptions for her friends we're gonna watch him go to barbecues just like you go to barbecues I can't see God I don't understand God fully but you can see Jesus 
and you can get to know Jesus and what God would say, you want to know me? You want to get to know me? You want to know my will for your life? You want to know what I'm like? Here's what, if you want to know me, get to know my son because he's all you need. He's all you need. And if you see Jesus, you have seen me. So that's what we're going to do for the next six months from now till Easter. Now I want to stop right there, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll keep going. We'll pick up right here next week. But here's what I want to end this service the same way I started this service. I want you, if you have a piece of paper to get it out or stare at me, whatever, all right? But anyway, um, uh, I want you to just describe in words some indescribable things. And I'm going to take you through this, okay? So either think about this or, or write it down. But he, here's what I want you to do. I, first of all, I want you to, I want you to describe what you feel, uh, what that connection is between you and the person in this world that you love the most. Start describing that, writing down words that describe that, but you're not allowed to use the word love. That's easy, that's a cop out. Nobody knows what it means anyway. So I want you to wrestle through other things. How, what is that connection between you and your little grandson or something like that? And I bet the word you're gonna start to write down goes like this. Because uh, you don't know how to spell that. So you'll do, your pen will just stop because it's indescribable. And let's go to the other end of the spectrum. I want you to remember the worst moment of your life, so far anyway, the worst day. When somebody rang your doorbell, or your phone rang, or you got the text, or, or somebody came into your house and said, I gotta tell you something, and your life was over, destroyed. Everything that you cared about got robbed, ripped off, gone. You can't ever get it back. Remember that moment? Put that in words. And I bet it's the same thing. Uh, don't use the word, well, it was sad, or, or, or painful, or, or heartbroken. No, 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 no. Find some other words. It's hard, isn't it? But you know what I mean. Finally, I want you to, I want you to describe God. Who is God and what, what's he like? How about this? Who do you need him to be? Whatever's going on in your life right now, who do you hope that he is? What do you need him to do for you and be for you? What, what are the words that say, if he is that and if he's like that, and if that, those words describe him, then I can find peace in him. I can find grace and truth when it comes to God, if he is this, if he is these words. And if you're looking for a word to go, I'm trying to figure the essence of God out, God gives you a hint. If you're looking for a word that describes me, that gets, me, gets you all the way there, not partially there, not in the neighborhood, but all the way there, write this word down, Jesus. Jesus, because Jesus is God. He's not like part God and vice God, fully God. He's exactly the same. Jesus is fully, exactly, completely God, which if that's true, even if you don't believe that, just go with this, all right? Even if that's true, wouldn't that change everything? If Jesus really is God, right? If everything that he said and everything that he taught and everything that he did if he really is God, didn't it just go from here to here? A whole new level, right? And how about this? Everything you need him to do, all the words you're trying to come up with, I need him to be strength. I need him to be grace. I need him to be truth. I need him to be mercy. I need him to be really, really forgiving. Everything you need him to do in your life and be in your life, if he really is God, he actually can do it, Right? And that's where we're going. I, I really hope you'll come back. Let me, let me, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And then Jenny is going to teach us a brand new song. We've never sang it here before. It's one of my favorite songs. I don't know why we haven't sung it. But uh, here's what, as Jenny teaches it, don't sing with her. She sings better than you anyway. So just listen to her, right? So uh, she really does. I've heard some of you. And um, <laughs> she's much better than me anyway. So um, she's going to teach us this song. It kind of just wraps up everything we've been talking about as best we can because words can't get us all the way there. But then uh, the second half, you jump in and you, and, and you sing with her. I, I really do hope that 
that, that you'll wrestle with some of this. I, I, it probably created many more questions than it did create answers for you, and that's okay. It really is okay. We're gonna wrestle through those together. Let's pray. Daniel teaches a song, and then uh, we'll go home. God, I love you so much. That, that just rolls off my tongue, and I don't even know what that means sometimes. I just, I love you. What? I think I know what that means. But when you say that you love us, that just kind of blows, blows my mind anyway. Because I, I, every time I experience love on a new level, it's like the old level didn't make sense. Like 11 days ago when I was over at the hospital and for the first time I saw Jonah, my son, and my grandson, and all, all, I, could, all I could do is just kind of go, ah, and I cry. Every time I'm in a room with him, I cry. And I groan, and God, I just wonder, I'm hoping, but I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if I believe this. I wonder if you look at some of us and, and you groan and, and, and you have, get tears in your eyes. I don't know if that's how it works, but it, when I look at my grandson and my, and my kids and my wife, sometimes I just get tears in my eyes. Do you ever feel that way towards us? Not from disappointment, but because of love and this groaning. If you try to explain us and how much you love us, you run out of words. And so the word that expresses your love for us the most is Jesus. I told you I loved you. God, you're indescribable. And it's, how, how do we get to know you? And, and your answer is just look at my son. He'll change your life because he is me. And everything I am is him. So God, we, we're gonna wrestle through some really, really hard stuff. It's scary stuff. It's, it's gonna rock some of us. It's gonna change some of us. But it's, might, maybe it's gonna heal some of us. Maybe you're gonna heal some of us in the most broken parts of our life that go beyond description. Maybe you're gonna bring something into our life that's so good, we, we won't even be able to describe that either. We, we need Jesus. We want Jesus. It's in his name I pray, amen.